It was about uh, oh, a little over a year ago now, but uh, several years ago beyond that, when our church started thinking seriously about its direction and focus. And many of you have heard about how there were at one point in the fall of 2008, about uh, 23 people or so who went down to Post Falls, Idaho and enjoyed some time with the real life ministries down there and, and had our ministry kind of shaped by some of the things that they were doing. Then the following year, there were 19 people who went down, some of whom were the same, some of whom were a bit different than had been before. And we experienced, again, a real blessing of going down and being with them and just listening to the kind of things that they were doing in ministry. The reason that we went there was because that church had, in a 10-year period, gone from zero, basically, to about 8,500, which we were relatively impressed by. And the main focus of their ministry and the way that they had experienced this rapid growth was through evangelism. They had certainly some people from other groups who came and joined them, but more than anything else, they did it evangelistically. And so we were just so taken by this church uh, that God had blessed so richly and, and felt like there were things that they had to teach us, things that we could learn. And so we experienced uh, what they were doing in ministry, and it really was, in fact, a blessing. One of the things that kind of came out of all of that was just us thinking about who we were, our own direction, and what sometimes gets referred to as church DNA. Now, you all know what DNA is. DNA is that spirally thing. That's about all I know. Is That's that spirally thing, that picture you see, that says this is the imprint of a program in our cells that makes us who we are. DNA creates our character. There are certain features of us that just come out because of DNA. Now, I have sometimes wondered what God was thinking when he gave me DNA that caused my hair to fall out. Some of you, I'm sure, have thought about that as well, not so much about me, but perhaps about yourself. David, I'm sure that you have asked yourself that question. Why do I have this DNA? Okay. And there are some of you who would notice something else about your body, whatever that might be. And you think to yourself, I wish this was different about me. But God has created the DNA in you that he has. Now, sometimes you know that there is DNA within our bodies that creates something extremely positive and wonderful. Sometimes it's not quite as good. And so we thought some about our DNA as a church body and what it means for us to be made up like we are. And we felt like there were things that needed to be modified or changed about who we are. And we've tried over the last two or three years to start to affect some change within us. Now, in real life, you can't do much about your DNA. They keep telling me that I can apply Rogaine or I can do an iodine treatment or there are various things that I might try. I can go to hair club for men. Okay. Yeah. Have you tried that? Okay. I don't, it, just by looking, I'd say you haven't either. Okay. <laughs> Did you see that? Ryan went, yes, hair club for men. But I just don't see the results, Ryan. <laughs> so so we, we have attempted, however, to change some DNA within our church family. And we think that our DNA is, in fact, changing. We think that God is blessing us and taking us in a very positive direction with respect to who we are. One of the things that we think is changing is that we're moving more and more in the direction of fulfilling the Great Commission. 
When you look at Matthew 28, 18, and I know that you know this passage so well, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The people have pointed out for a long time, and this is exactly right, that there are several what we call participles in this passage. Go is one of those. Make disciples is one of those. Baptizing is one of those. And all it says is, is that all these things are supposed to happen as you go about the life of being a Christian. So in one sense, there's a command here to go and to make disciples and baptize. But in another sense, there's just a statement that says, as you're going out into the world, make disciples and baptize. And the, and the point is, is that it's just part of our DNA. It's just who we are. It's what happens as we go. We're on our way being Christians. And as we go on our way being Christians, we make disciples and we baptize. Well, we think that God is transforming our DNA so that this becomes more and more who we are. That we just go in the course of being Christians in our world. And as we go... We make disciples of those around us, baptizing them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and teaching them to obey everything that he's taught us. And so this morning, we're kind of talking about that, our direction as a church, where we're headed, and the ways in which God is blessing us to become all that he wants us to be. I hope you're blessed. John? Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, everyone, for being here this morning. I have been, uh, I'm excited to be here. Uh, I'm nervous to be here. I, am sp- I have spent uh, a lot of time with my son putting this nice uh, presentation together for you through an Apple system that isn't working this morning. <laughs> but that's okay because, I, as I've said to many and I remind myself, we'll fail our way to success. We're not going to be brought down by, uh, by a glitch. So... I'm a where-the-rubber-meets-the-road guy. I, I like to uh, be in the trenches one-on-one in the, in the, the battle of life um, with people. I've had people uh, there with me. And anyhow, I'm excited about what we're, we're, the direction we're headed in and uh, what uh, we're going to share a little bit of uh, with you this morning. If we're going to make disciples together, we really should have a common definition of disciple. If we don't, we will be very disunified and running in different directions. So we find the uh, definition of a disciple in Matthew 4.19. Come follow me, Jesus said. And I will make you fishers of men. I know you have heard this before, but repetition is the key to learning. So, from the scripture, we find that a disciple is one who is following Jesus. Come follow me, a person that responds to that call that he has made. It's a decision of the head, of the mind. 
A disciple is one who is being changed by Jesus because he said he will. I will make you. That's a decision of the heart. And a disciple is one who is committed to the mission of Jesus, fishers of men. So, Matthew 4.19, if you want to put that in your memory bank, that's where we find our definition of what a disciple is. This does two things for us. And the first thing it does is allow us to examine ourselves. How am I doing in this process of becoming a disciple for Jesus Christ? Because I need to be doing if I'm going to be teaching. The second thing it does is it it, uh, provides a clarity in teaching others how to disciple. There are three key elements to a successful journey. And uh, I just talk about gender for a minute here. Women normally ask for directions. Men normally don't. And so men are normally take a little longer to get to where they're going than women do. But if we think about a ride in a car, we want to go from A to B. We need a driver, we need a vehicle, and we need a map. And the same is true if we're going to make disciples together. We need three key elements, and here they are. We need an intentional leader. Not just a leader, but an intentional leader whose mind is set on making disciples. We need a vehicle. The vehicle is the relational environment. That's our life groups, the life group uh, program that we're, that we're putting together and building that we want to see everyone involved in. We can't make everyone be involved. That's your call. That's your choice. But the life group uh, format that we're using is very, very uh, user-friendly. It is very well organized. It is open to your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers. But you have to ask them to come and join you. There's a lot of help now for life group leaders. And we need a reproducible process. I can't just make a disciple who's going to make a disciple if I don't have something that they can also pass on this process of discipleship uh, making or building, if you will. So the end result here with these three key components is disciples are made. So let's take a look at where we start. Bible says, as for you, You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. You're spiritually dead. And you'll see on the discipleship wheel there the component of dead. How do we know as a leader who's, who's dead and who's not, if you will? Well, there's characteristics of each 
person each phase of the growth of an individual. And uh, the spiritually dead are, of course, characterized by unbelief. They're characterized by rebellion. I'll be the God in my life. Don't you tell me who God is. I'm God. I'm in control of my life. And, of course, they reject God's will for their life because, in their mind, they are God. These individuals, people at this stage of life, have will say certain things. And if, as a leader, if we're listening, we will, we will identify them through what they say. So they may not be interested in what we have to say, but we need to be interested in what they have to say. And here's a, a sample of what you might hear from a spiritually dead individual. I don't believe there is a God. The Bible is just a bunch of myths. Evolution explains away the need for God. Or there are many ways to get to God. How about this one? I'm a Christian because I go to church and I'm a pretty good person. Or a good person goes to heaven and a bad person goes to hell. You see, the next step in the process here of that individual is born again. An individual who is born again begins with that head decision that we talked about from Matthew 4.19. Come follow me. They make that decision to follow Jesus Christ. And they are baptized. Baptizo. Immersed in water, a decision that they make as an adult, not a decision that a parent makes for a child when they are a child. They are immersed. And as disciple makers, we are committed to that immersion. It honors God. We're, we're beginning to fulfill that great commission of going into the world making disciples, baptizing them. So the, the uh, infant is born, if you will. Darcy's going to talk a little bit about that. Hope I can work this thing. Um, I want to say before, just before we go, I don't want anybody to feel offended by the names that we give people, spiritually dead, infant, what goes around. Uh, these are spiritual stages, let's say. You could call them whatever you want. But the infant is an interesting one. Um, like newborn babies crave spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, First Peter 2.2. 2. A lot of people here have seen babies. We seem to have a new one in this church every month or so. Babies don't do a lot for themselves. They can't feed themselves. They can't change themselves. They can't do a lot except for poop and stuff. Um, I like to add some jokes, sorry. Um, and the spiritual infant's similar. Uh, I don't know if everybody remembers when they came back out of the baptism water, if you were baptized. You uh, probably felt fairly elated, but I don't know if you felt like you could do that much. So... 
The infant uh, has a number of characteristics. We're going to go through all of them. One of the main ones that we look at with the spiritual infant is ignorance. And I don't want it to be the negative connotation for ignorance where they're arrogant and cocky and stuff. No, this is ignorance like, uh, you know, how come the Bible split up into Old New Testament? Why did Jesus have to die? Where do I find passages? That's the kind of ignorance we're talking about. They just don't know. They've they, they may have got some of that before they were born again, but they may not have. It's why it's so important that people who are uh, farther along in the discipleship cycle actually help them along. They can help them find those passages. They can help them answer questions. Um, confusion is another one. You end up with a lot of people who, uh, you know, I'll admit, I read stuff in the Bible and I'm confused a lot of the time. Do these two passages conflict? Do they mean different things? helps to have somebody to talk to, but in a, in a spiritual infant stage, you're going to see a lot more of that. Independent, uh, going back to the newborn babies and the little kids, not very many people expect toddlers and babies and, and young children to do a lot of stuff for themselves. I mean, they need a lot of help, and with a lot of help, I think we all agree that you're going to end up with a lot of... Uh, Spiritual infants who are going to grow up around that circle and be a lot better prepared for life as they go ahead. Now, there's some interesting stuff that uh, you'll hear spiritual infants say. Um, we'll go through those. One of them is, you know, I believe in Jesus, but my church is out in the woods or at the lake. Um, some of these will sound similar to the spiritually dead as well. Another one is, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Uh, or I gave my life to Christ. You know, I was baptized, and I go to church, but I don't need to be close to other people. People have hurt me in the past, so I've, I've decided it's just going to be me and God. Um, you know, I think I should only be accountable to my spouse. I, I don't need to be accountable to anybody else. Um, you know, my job is my ministry, and I'm not talking about a preacher's job. I mean, I only have to do what, what I'm doing at work. That's my ministry. I provide for my family. I may give to the church. I don't have to do anything else. I have to look at Greg Kleinsasser back there waving at me. And one of the big ones I mentioned before is stuff like, I didn't know the Bible said that. I don't know. While we're going through these, I hope you guys are listening saying, you know, either I've said that before or I've heard it said before or I, I can imagine hearing it. Um, the next stage is actually the, the spiritual child. It's a step up, and John's going to go back and talk about that one. But uh, the infant is generally characterized by a, an ignorance of God's plan for us. Okay, so uh, the infant grows to be a child, just like we all have, a spiritual child. So as Darcy alluded to, th these stages have nothing to do with how old we are or how young we are. They're, they're uh, spiritual stages of life. I could be 80 years old and just give my life to Christ. It has nothing to do with physical age. And it has nothing to do with value. God values all human beings, all his creation. He loves all, desiring them to come to him. Spiritual child is self-centered. It's all about me. They're idealistic. Uh, I remember being idealistic. You know, I found Jesus Christ. I found people that worship him, that honor him, that live for him. We all think the same. 
We all get along so well, there is never a disagreement among us. I just love it here. Not true. Not true. And they're prideful, you know. Well, what do you mean you don't know that? Don't you read your Bible? I learned this in my Bible. They can be that way. And they are interdependent. They are... They need a parent sometimes, but they're wanting to let go. Just like the child will let go of mom and dad's hand and run through the department store and hide around the corner, but look back. I hope you're still there, mom or dad. And so what might we hear from a spiritual child? I love my group. Don't add any more people to this group. I love it, just the way it is. Who are all these people coming to my church? Can't they go somewhere else? Causing me some discomfort here. I'm not coming to this church anymore. It's too big. Now, my life group not taking care of my needs. Or how about this one? I didn't like the music today. If only they would do it like dot, 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 fill in the blank. Or I'm not being fed at my church, so I'm going to find another one. Those are the kind of things that we may hear from a spiritual child. And as the child grows, they become a young adult. Darcy, again, we'll talk to you about that. tell you, I personally love the young adult stage. Maybe that's where I am. Young adults, fantastic people. They want to serve, and they don't want to serve just for themselves. So we'll get through there. Um, maybe you guys have seen this as you go along. Sorry, I like to stand off to the side of the mic, so if you can't hear me, raise your hand or something. Um, action or service-oriented. They're like a teenager. they got a ton of energy. They want to do a lot of stuff, not because only it makes them feel good, but because they've just got that desire. It's a great stage. They progress from infant to child. They know a fair bit, and they're starting to learn that, uh, you know, the life and the path that Jesus exampled and modeled for us was service-oriented. You don't see Jesus doing too much stuff for himself in his life, and I think young adults start getting to that stage where they recognize that. They start seeing, you know, if I want to be like Jesus, I'm going to have to serve. They're zealous. Uh, sometimes this can be a little bit uh, difficult for other people to deal with. Sometimes they'll really push hard. Uh, sometimes they'll do stuff that other people won't. Uh, zealousness can be a good and a bad characteristic. Um, in this case, it's usually more good than bad. They're the ones quite often who drive a church because something needs to be done and you can grab a young adult and say, oh, I need somebody to run this ministry, and they'll jump in. They are God and others-centered. Um, they've gone beyond just thinking, I want to serve God. They've gone into the stage where they start looking at, you know, what can I do for those people around me? People at my workplace, at my school, in my community, and people in my church. And they're mission-minded, but they're incomplete. Uh, what we mean by incomplete is they don't, 
They don't grasp the whole picture. Uh, on that early slide way back there at the very top, it said intentional leader. Did you guys catch that? didn't just say you need a leader. You know, relational environment, reproducible process. No, it said you need an intentional leader. Mission-minded but incomplete means they want to serve, they want to serve others, but they're a little bit incomplete in that they're not going through the whole process where they actually learn and train people, learn people, to become leaders who will train others, who will lead and train others going forward. That's the big difference in why they're incomplete in their mission-mindedness. They have a great grasp of the mission to serve God and to serve other people, but maybe not a great understanding of how they have to take that the step farther and be able to take somebody under their wing and teach that person through the discipleship process. And they're more independent. At this stage, you don't have to give them full attention. You can tell one of them, you know, I want to give you uh, this service opportunity. Uh, I trust you're going to do it well. And they will. They might come back to you once in a while ask a question, but they might not. Uh, they want to be independent. They're young adults moving out of the house, let's say. There are some wonderful phrases that you'll get in this stage, ones that I hope you all want to hear. Stuff like, you know, I love my group, but I know others who need a group like this too. You know, I'm going to invite them. Or, you know, I think I could lead a group now. I think that, you know, with a little bit more help, I am fully capable of leading a group. Or the ones who look at the attendance in church today and say, man, this was an awesome Sunday. Look how many people were here. I saw new visitors. I talked to them. Or they'll make comments like this. You know, Randy and Rachel miss group, and I called them. They were, their kids were sick, so I think I'm going to arrange for our group to take meals over to them. Or in my daily devotions, I came across this uh, passage, and I really want to you know, share it with these people. I think other people are going to get something out of it. And another one would be, you know, I noticed that we don't have a visitation team right now. We don't have somebody who goes in and visits our shut-ins. We don't have somebody who follows up with the sick people every Sunday. I think I'm going to, you know, I'm going to jump on board and do that myself. So the young adults tend to be characterized by service. And the next one is the, uh, what we call the spiritual parent stage, and John's going to run us through that. So again, the spiritual parent, not adult, because parents have children and adults may not. The interesting thing, uh, the spiritual parent could actually be misconstrued or misinterpreted as being somebody who's uh, a little arrogant, because people talk about what they love. But when a spiritual parent talks about what God is doing with them, it's not bragging or name-dropping, it is... Uh, bathed in humility. So the characteristics of the spiritual parent is they are intentional and they are strategic. It becomes part of their DNA. It becomes part of their life. They're always looking for opportunities. As a matter of fact, they're praying that God will give them opportunities because we want to be honoring him. We're working for him. They're reproduction-minded. They want to see the kingdom grow. They're self-feeding. Nobody needs to tell them, sit down, read your Bible. Come to church. Come to group. Come to class. That's part of their DNA. And their mission-minded complete. Um, 
And really what I would say here is that it's not just about doing mission now at this phase of life. It's about taking, or stage of, of growth, I should say. It's about taking someone along with them under their shoulder, under their wing, and teaching them as they go so that when they die, there's somebody there to carry on. And they're team-minded. Unity matters. It's not about me and my, mission, my ministry and what I want to do. Unity matters, and we all know that that matters to Christ. They're dependable. Oh, 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 dependable. How crucial, how critical is dependable in a volunteer organization like ours? That's what church is. We volunteer. Very few are paid. There's a lot of volunteers. You should see what happens in that sound room back there when the guy who volunteered to show up Sunday morning doesn't show up. What a scramble. What a burden on the rest of the church. And if you think of uh, the church as a team, a player let a team let the team down. Wayne Gretzky doesn't win a Stanley Cup by himself. He can be a great player, but he needs the rest of the team. Uh, presiding, the, the, the team that Jason uh, puts together uh, uh, for us, the team that's up here this morning, when the presider shows up and the rest of the team doesn't, what a quandary. What a quandary that is. What do I do? Are they coming? Are they not coming? Are they... And maybe more than that, if that team doesn't show up 10 minutes early to go spend some time in prayer because they seek to honor God, not pass out emblems, it's bigger than that, then they just fumble their way through. And I'm not sure that's God-honoring. So dependability, to be dependable, is absolutely crucial. For Wayne to not have a praise team show up, <laughs> well, we'll work with it, but it's not ideal. So what are we going to hear from the spiritual parent? Here's what we'd hear. A guy from work asked me to explain the Bible to him. Would you pray for me? Hey, we get to baptize someone from our group tonight. When is the next Christian basics class? Because I'd like to get her involved. And our group is doing a mission trip. I've uh, assigned each person a different responsibility. It's a shared work. I realize that discipleship happens at home too. Will you hold me accountable to spend time with my wife and my children? And I have a person in our group that is passionate about small children. Can you have the children's ministry call me so I can get her connected? So that's really the end of the what is a disciple process. This forms the nucleus of a 12-week training course that we are offering to anyone who is interested in becoming an intentional leader. Actually, I would, I'll, I'll retract that. To anyone who is interested, because there is such great benefit in learning about 
oneself. I learned so much about myself going through this course. Where am I? Am I growing? Am I stagnating? I can, I can uh, get stuck. I don't want to be a child forever. I don't want to walk around uh, thinking that the world revolves around me or the church revolves around me. I want to be fulfilling the Great Commission for, for Jesus Christ. So we are offering this 12-week course again starting next Sunday, right after service. It runs for 12 weeks. That's why it's a 12-week course. And uh, it's about a little over half full right now, so there are, there are some spots on it. If anyone is available, if you've had your curiosity kind of peaked here, you could see uh, Hope or Darcy or John or Brenda or Kelly will be back in the Connection Center after service. If you haven't signed up for Life Group yet, and you've been thinking about it, or if you haven't been thinking about it until today, come on back and we'll plug you in and, and, and help you move along this, this process. I've been haunted for a couple of years by a conversation I had with one of our members. And it, it was a conversation after Kelly had preached a sermon on the purpose of the church, and it had to do with evangelism, and it had to do with making disciples. And so I'm talking, I'm, I'm, I'm sharing, aren't you excited that this, in fact, is our purpose? We have a purpose in life. And the tears began to flow, and the response was, I've been in church all my life. No one has ever taught me how to make a disciple. And I was shocked because you know what? No one has ever taught me how to make a disciple. They studied with me until I was baptized. There was a little bit of study afterwards, and then there was an expectation. Just be there Sunday morning, and somehow you will learn. Somehow you will grow. And I don't think that's good enough. I think we can do better. I think we are going to do better. I know we are, because... I have seen uh, a group of people, a small a, a group of us, get excited about this. I'd like us all to be excited about it. As a matter of fact, if you've taken that 12-week course and you're sitting here, would you please stand up? Thank you. So we're growing. We're growing. What's amazing is that these people actually have a vocabulary whereby they can communicate with each other. They didn't have it before the course. They have a, they have a, a vocabulary where they can, they can talk about themselves in a different way. They can talk about helping other people in a different way. Because, you see, there are needs along the stages of growth here. The need of the spiritually dead is different than the need of the young adult. And we will learn over the course of 12 weeks what those needs are and how we can meet them. This is the nucleus. So here's what I know. If we keep on doing what we've always done, expecting a different result, it's the definition of insanity. 
we need to do something different if we're looking for a different result. There's an opportunity to do something different, to learn something different. And the other thing is, no one can do, no one can do what we all can do. Kelly, would you come up and close in prayer, please? You know, when I uh, when I came to this church, one of the things that I frequently heard was that the uh, the church, because Journey had just left and and were going out to plant their church, and because we'd been focused on that for a while, that we didn't really have a plan. There wasn't a focus. There wasn't a direction. And we didn't really know what our next step was going to be. One of the things that's happened over the last few years is that we definitely have developed a direction. We definitely have developed a plan. And I'm so grateful that our elders have have been able to communicate that plan, that they have in mind a vision for what we can be, and that we can do all that God wants us to do. There's a challenge in that, of course. There's a challenge in all of us being willing to think seriously what it means to be a spiritual parent, to be able to focus on the kind of things that spiritual parents would focus on, to do the kind of things that spiritual parents would do. And it's, it's a challenge in that it requires of you some time, some effort, some focus, maybe even changing some things about your own spiritual life and your own devotion when it comes to what it means to be a Christian. But in that challenge, God, through his spirit, is willing to bless you, and he's ready to bless all of us, that we can do what God wants us to do. And the notion of going into our world and making disciples for Jesus, it's absolutely a realistic goal as God, through his spirit, blesses us. What it requires is open hearts, ready to respond to his instruction about going into our world and making disciples. So I hope, I pray, that you are willing to answer that challenge. And if he does, if you are, then God is going to bless you richly in answering that challenge. We're going to see blessings come down on us like we couldn't imagine. Let's pray. Lord, I'm grateful that we have a group of elders here who see the need for us to have direction. And Father, more than that, I'm grateful that you have given us direction, that you've provided us with something, a a path to follow, a direction to follow, whereby we can do the things that you want us to do in, in your world that you have created. God, we want to reach into this world, such a multifaceted community around us. We want to reach into that world with the good news of Jesus. We want to see lives changed, people come to you. We want to see among us spiritual parents grown up. So, Father, we pray that you'd nurture that among us. Open our hearts, open our minds, our lives to your will. Help us to follow you in this way. Help us to become the spiritual parents you want us to be. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen.